you know what's really hard for us to do today in our modern world? Like, like show of hands, you got any ideas what's really hard for us to do? Like, one, admit that we're wrong, so I never do. But you know what's really hard to do? Let someone help you. Isn't it? Like, unless you've kind of like, like already swept up that identity, like I'm helpless and so I just need everyone to help me. And, uh, but the rest of us are like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, and when we finally do let someone help us, like, that's a big deal. Um, and it actually, when someone does help us, like, if, once we get over ourselves, it feels really good. We feel loved. But you know what's even um, harder to do than let someone help you? And I would say still uh, an even better blessing, an extraordinary blessing, but even more difficult to get to is letting someone care for you. Letting someone care for you. See, when someone's helping you, you're still on your way. You're still going your direction, and you're inviting or allowing someone to come in and aid you in your direction, in your efforts, in your desire. But caring is an entirely different ballgame because caring, truly, the definition of letting someone care for you is when it is no longer your direction, no longer your autonomy. You have perhaps lost it or, or don't have it for some reason, and you are surrendering and allowing someone else to take the direction of your well-being and care for you. That is really hard to do. But most of us don't actually ever truly let someone care for us until we no longer have a choice. But it is such a good opportunity when we can finally allow someone to embrace us and care for us. We've been talking about seeking relationships relationship, relationship with each other, relationship with God, and how crucial and fundamental that is to everything in our faith. And the first and foremost relationship will always be, and we have to get this one healthy and right before anything else really kind of starts flowing, is that with God. And this week is this beautiful thing of care, a connection and of fruitfulness, to feel like you're actually producing, producing something worthy from your life and your efforts and your hopes and your prayers. And that's what is offered in this intimate relationship with God. It's the grace that he gives us in that deep knowing of him and, of course, deep knowing him of us. Jesus says these words so well. Now, this is in Jesus' kind of final delivery, John's gospel from chapter 15 to 17. But he starts out, and listen to this in terms of care and connection and fruitfulness. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the gardener. Friends, we could stop right there. Like, Like, Jesus is this source of life, and God comes, and he cares for us. So verse 4, remain in me then. If, if you're going to be part of the vine, remain in me. And I will also remain in you, Jesus says. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then Jesus continues in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Man, that's incredible love. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, now check this out, these, these commands are good. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Well, what are his commands? Verse 11, Jesus says, and he says, look, I have told you this so that your joy may be in you, and, or that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Can you obey that? Just one. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see what Jesus is setting up here. He's saying, listen, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the vine, I'm the source of life, and, and, you know, and, and God, he's your gardener, he's going to care for you and, and lead you, and, and you know, when, when, when you're in me and you stay in me and you're connected um, and, and God's taking care of you, you're going to grow some fruit. Like, those grapes are going to be so big and plump. First of all, they're going to be crispy when you bite into them. They kind of crack a little bit. Oh, I love those grapes. And then they're going to burst full of juice. And they're going to be so big and so heavy that they're going to threaten to break the branch. Because that fruit is so good hanging on your branch connected to the vine. You see what's going on here? First of all, we are in this deep relationship with God Through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we are tended to deeply. God's our gardener. And he prunes us. He absolutely prunes us. He looks at the stuff and he says, hey, the longer that dead part hangs on you, the more resources it's taking from you. He's going to snip it. Or I tell you what, if you keep growing that way, it's not going to go good. So he takes a little piece of twine and he corrects our growth. We're cared for. We are tended to. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing to allow God to care for us. The second thing that happens is we see that we are grafted. Friends, when you are grafted into the vine of Jesus Christ, Lord, Savior, friend, you're not just attached to or connected. You become a part of Christ. You are one with Jesus in Jesus. Nobody looks at a vine and says, wow, what a great stock. They look at the whole thing from the vine to the branches to the fruit. That's what they were looking at. You've actually become grafted in that you are his and he is yours. And finally cultivated to truly be cultivated in the way that your fruit is growing abundantly and it's good and it feeds people and it nourishes brokenness and it creates goodness and light in the sense of despair and darkness. That's good fruit. And people like that fruit. People want that fruit and depend on it just as you do the fruit from others that Jesus is growing in them. 
that's what it is like to be in a deep and intimate relationship with God. And I think that's quite good. You see, Jesus models this all the way through. And the triumphant entry is no exception to that. Jesus, with his disciples, enters into Beth and Page, just outside of Jerusalem, and he tells them to go ahead, and they find this uh, mother donkey and her foal, and, um, and he sits onto the younger donkey, and he enters in and, and has this parade. Now, we've talked about this before, but you have to understand that Jesus, um, entering in this way, he's not dressed in royal robes. And a parade like this, that's what you would do. And there's no entourage like there would typically be an entourage. See, typically in these parades, uh, all of the arms and all of the guards and all of the chariots and the horses, the power, the grandeur precedes the king. And everybody knows about it by the sound of the trumpet as the king in his gloriousness enters in. And he's not riding on the baby donkey. He's riding on um, at least a mule, if not a horse, which was, you know, a bit rare back then. But, but this, like, this was so drastically different. And yet people were like, this Jesus guy, like, he's different. But they were celebrating and was victorious because, and Jesus in life was Messiah. He was going to actually come and finally write things just like King David and take over and reestablish. And it was triumphant in that way because people celebrated it even though it was so drastically different from any other king that had prayed. And they shouted, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, we get to celebrate today, and I think sometimes we think, well, we know the rest of the story and how a little bit later, like, he dies, and so um, it's, maybe we shouldn't call it a triumphal entry, or maybe it's not, like, celebration, but I think our celebration today is like a standing ovation for someone who has tirelessly poured out their life, and they're giving their final performance, or uh, in the Hunger Games, you know, they're like the, the, the salute. Like this is honor, this, like this solemn, like acknowledgement. We're celebrating what you came to do, and it's going to be tough, but thank you. So still a celebration because of what Jesus has done has been so good. Victory, right? Well, victory first, he made it. Victory first, he overcame death. And victory, he brought salvation, like this threefold victory that we still celebrate. And the only way. The only way that Jesus could go into that parade and then endure the suffering that he endured was through being sufficiently grafted, tended, and cultivated. You see, just as Jesus is wanting this for us, wanting to give this to us in this beautiful relationship, so did Jesus also need it and receive it. In his relationship with God, the Father, he and I are one, Jesus says. We're we're, we're in this together. 
My father knows me and loves me and I know my father and I love him and I obey his commands and he's producing fruit in me. Greater fruit is there none than to give your life for your friends. And he calls us friends even before you know him. He's calling you friend. That's his grace. And he did it because he was fortified with that grafting, that deep, deep grafting with that, that belonging and that cultivating and that care and that tending that God cared for him. But, um, you know, when we look at life and we compare it to God, sometimes we get so caught up thinking if I can get to this level in life or in my career or in my status or if I can reach this or accomplish this or own this or, or marry this or, you know, whatever it is that we look and, and we say, like, if, if I can get all this, then I'll finally have everything that we need. When in truth, everything that we need is already right there in front of us in our God waiting for us, deliverance, wisdom, power, identity, purpose, caring, connection, cultivation. It turns out our God offers all of that, and that's all we ever really needed. Gracious and holy God, you are so good, and we, we celebrate your love. We welcome you into our hearts as much as we can. Thank you for caring for us, even though, Lord, it is so hard, so hard to let you do that, that you do it. So we, all, uh, we love you, and uh, just want to pray. want to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that you will care for them, Lord. We know that your timing is different. We don't always understand it, but when we see the anguish and the desolation and the despair of our brothers and sisters, whether far or near, Lord, we're begging. Do something. Do more. Help us trust you and your timing. Show us what we need to do. We want to be those who can care for others. Sometimes we don't feel like we know how. But Lord, you are the Lord of resurrection. You are the Lord of changed everything. And we know that you are powerful beyond belief. You can and you will, and you hear our prayer. Wrap around us, wrap around the hurting, the lost of the world. This is our prayer, and we know it's in you, Jesus. Amen.